Many of you know that Mac and I have some incredible friends in ministry, David and Lisa Hughes. They lead a church, an incredible church, in South Florida called Church by the Glades. As a matter of fact, Mac is preaching there today. And because of technology, we get to partner with them today to join with them and worship together. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and get out your program to take notes, get your pen out, sit back, and join Church by the Glades as we hear Mac's special Father's Day message. What is up, Church by the Glades? Hey, so good to see you. If you are newer, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at CBG. Glad you're with us. And we're in a series we've entitled uh, Vacation Road Trip. It's fun to take a vacation in the summertime. Get away with the people you love. You'll go see grandma, go to the mountains, uh, go to the west coast of the United States, or maybe go to the great state of Texas. You see, if you're new to Church by the Glades, I believe, I'm a little biased, but I believe we're a very blessed church, a very unique church. I believe this is a great church. And the only thing better than one great church is two great churches. So here's a cool thing. This weekend, we're doing a live simulcast with the Lake Hills Church in Austin, Texas, one of the greatest churches on the planet. So CBG All Campuses, would you say hello to Austin, Texas and Lake Hills Church? Glad to have Lake Hills with us. I've been to speak there many times. It is a phenomenal ministry. And uh, Lake Hills, thank you because you've been kind enough to lend us your pastor this weekend. And we are so thrilled to have back with us from the great state of Texas, the one and only Pastor Mac Richard. Mac and his wife, Julie, came to Lake Hills 17 years ago. Just them and their kids. Now the church runs in the thousands. He's one of my favorite communicators, one of my dearest friends. So Lake Hills, join us. Stand to your feet as we celebrate your pastor. Would you give it up for the one? And I think he's coming in right now. He's rolling in. And Mac rolls in in style. Woo! Is that an Aston Martin? Give it up for Pastor Mac Richard. Wow. Nothing like a subtle introduction. Unbelievable. Nobody, nobody, man, y'all have a seat. Thanks so much, man. Wow. Nobody does subtlety and nuance like Church by the Glades. Unbelievable. What's up, Church by the Glades? I'm Mac. I'm one of the pastors here at Church by the Glades. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, we are so, so excited to be able to partner with Church by the Glades, going all the way back to the ATX, Austin, Texas. What's going on in Austin? Yeah. Man, when David and I first started kind of cooking this idea up about a a simulcast to Father's Day at Church by the Glades and Lake Hills Church, we got so fired up about the idea because... What's really, really cool is that I bring to you here in South Florida today incredible, incredible greetings and love and affection and encouragement all the way from Texas, a time zone away because 
Lake Hills Church, as a church family, absolutely loves your pastor, David Hughes. Unbelievable. David has been speaking into our church for years, and we are better and stronger and healthier for it. And Julie and I are better and healthier and stronger for our friendship with Pastor David and Pastor Lisa Hughes and their incredible, incredible family, Charlie, Victoria, and the Z-Man, Zane Hughes. So we are so, so excited about this weekend. I love getting, I had no idea, I want you to know something. I had no idea that I was going to get to drive in in that car when we set this up. But I am so excited and so appreciative that y'all would give that car to me for being here this weekend. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. A little pastor humor. (laughs) But I love this series that y'all are in called Road Trip. And we're going to interrupt our series back in Austin to participate with this in this series with you because... It is Father's Day. Let me see the fathers in the house. Raise your hand. Back home, Lake Hills, raise your hand. Woo! I mean, let's be honest. Talk about a road trip. Fatherhood is a journey. Am I right or am I right? I mean, fatherhood is a journey. Matter of fact, tell your neighbor right now, get your journey on. Now, Church by the Glade, y'all are stronger than that as a usual on the usual, tell your neighbor like you mean it, get your journey on. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Now, you know, it was funny when David asked me to preach this weekend for Father's Day and into road trip, it was about a half a second before I remembered one of the most epic fails as a father in my life. It was the very first road trip that we were ever going to take as a family. We had decided when our kids were very little that we were going to do a family vacation, just us four, just our nuclear family, no extended family, no, you know, grandparents tag along, although that's great and it has its place. If you're doing that this summer, God bless you. But this particular year, we were just going to do us four and no more. And we planned the most epic road trip to drive from Austin, Texas, all the way to the Grand Canyon. Now, we stopped along the way. It's a long way to get out of Texas, but we... Went to the Grand Canyon. We left the Grand Canyon, went up through four corners so that our kids could be in four states at one time on our way to southern Colorado before making our way back to Austin. And we were jacked about this trip. I mean, fired up. We began stocking supplies weeks in advance. We began getting games. Julie had little personalized journals for little Emily and little Joseph to take along the way. I began mapping out historical markers that we were going to stop at because, yes, I'm that dad. (laughs) And we were 45 minutes out of our driveway on State Highway 290 headed towards Interstate 10. Highway 290 is a critical part of this story. Don't lose Texas State Highway 290, okay? This is a critical part because 45 minutes out of our driveway, State Highway 290 takes a turn in a small Texas town that is very poorly signed. (laughs) And as a consequence, your friend, Pastor Mac from Austin, Texas, did not take the turn. And we were about 10 minutes down the road when I saw just out of the corner of my eye at 70 miles an hour one of those road signs that tells you what road you're on, and it did not 
say Texas State Highway 290. Now, those of you who are dads, you know where this is going because those of you who are not dads, I need to let you know a little behind the curtain. This is a dad moral dilemma. Because when you realize you're lost with the whole family in the car, you have a choice to make. You can choose, A, to just play cool and hope you kind of start to find your way back to the right route, not saying a word, yes, let's play 20 questions again, who's got one, and just keep rolling, or B, you can own it, pull over to the side of the road, admit your mistake, find the right route back to the way that you're going, and go on your merry little way. Well, I chose option B. We had a 12 our drive ahead of us. I didn't have the luxury of cruising around the Texas hill country looking for a road that I hoped would put me back on the right route. And so I began to slow the car down. We pulled over to the shoulder. All of a sudden, the singing and the laughter stopped. Julie looked at me from the passenger seat and she said, what's wrong? And the kids kind of peered up into the front seat and they were, you could see their minds going, that didn't feel like 12 hours. And I said, gang, I missed a turn. Old dad needs to check the map. Well, today, this Father's Day weekend, we are all going to help dad check the map. Tell your neighbor right now, check the map. Now, here's what I'm so excited about because obviously this is a Father's Day message, but this message is for everybody because check this out. I I noticed something. Everybody, say everybody. Everybody Everybody either is a dad, has a dad, needs a dad, will be a dad, or will pick a dad for your children. So the dad thing is kind of a big deal. This is so critical that we understand the roadmap and the destination for dads in God's economy. Because you and I are living in a world and in a culture that is struggling with a significant dad deficit. I mean a monster dad deficit. Deficit. Now, I'm not talking about this room. I'm not talking about back home at Lake Hills Church per se. But the fact of the matter is, I believe God is up to something specifically in and through the church. I believe that God is stirring something up within men, stirring something up in our souls to cause us to rise up and to be the men. To live the lives he created us to live and to be who he's called us to be in Jesus' name with everything that we've got. Just this week, USA Today published an article with research from Princeton and MIT, which are not, by the way, the most conservative bastions of paternalistic family society. And they said, they said, that fatherless homes are creating havoc in our nation, specifically in economically challenged homes. But it's not limited to those. It is a fact of life that dad plays a major role in how we figure out who we are and how we discover what God's created us to be and what he's called us to do. And so 
in order for us to get our arms around this personally and spiritually and relationally, we're going to go to a passage of Scripture this weekend. If you've got your Bibles, maybe you've got like one of those things they call a book. You can open that up. It may be on your phone. Wherever it may be, go to Psalm. The book of Psalms is in the Old Testament. It's the longest book of the entire Bible. It's not quite halfway. It's, if you open your Bible up halfway, it's a little to the left of that. But I want us tonight to go today, this weekend, to go to Psalm 23. Now, the 23rd Psalm is one of those pillar passages in the Bible. It's not a long chapter, and we're not even going to look at the whole chapter tonight. We're going to look at just the first verse. Because the 23rd Psalm, even if you're new to church or kicking the tires or whatever the case may be, if you've ever been to a Christian funeral, you've probably heard the 23rd Psalm read. But in Psalm 23.1, the Bible gives us an incredible insight into who God is and what he's, what he's called dads to, into our destination as dads. Check this out. And, and I want you, back home, I want you to do the same thing here in the room. Do this with me. Look at Psalm 23, verse 1, and read the highlighted words with me. Check this out. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Whoa. There is an entire semester of theology packed into that one verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I went old school on you. I used the King James Version. And the King James Version was published back in the 1600s in merry old England. And God supernaturally imparted the 23rd Psalm to David, who, by the way, was a shepherd king, whole nother semester, but he supernaturally imparted this passage to David and protected its translation so that we have it today, 2,000 years after Jesus, who lived 1,000 years after David wrote it down. And in the King James translation, that word, I shall not want, is a completely accurate rendering that our 21st century language doesn't entirely accommodate. So I would encourage you, when you see I shall not want, a better way to think of that in our language is to say I shall not need. I shall not need anything spiritually, materially, relationally, emotionally, as long as the Lord is my shepherd. I I don't need anything. Now, I I know in in a Father's Day church service, we go, oh, amen, you preach that, boy, you you Texan, you just go. But I want you to think about that for a second. How many of us this weekend could say, I don't need anything? I, I don't need anything. Ooh, that 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 concept is a game changer right there. You start going, well, wait. I don't need, but man, there's so much that I want. I, you know, David and I, your pastor and I, we, we, we love the local church. We love the local church. We love our wives. Somebody help me preach. But you know what else we love? We love to fish for tarpon. You know Why? 
because fishing is a biblical sport and we are trying to follow Jesus with everything we have. Now, David and I have spent a lot of time on boats together, fishing for tarpon. We're gluttons for punishment is what that really means. Tarpon is a tough, tough fish to catch on a fly. And there have been days when we've been sitting out on the ocean just just within visual sight of land, not seeing fish, not casting the fish, not feeling the fish take the fly and and we've always had this, this, one, this one little mantra that we've said to each other in a, in a God-honoring way. David, keep casting, man. Keep, keep, keep fishing because one fish will change your life. But I don't need a tarpon. I really, really, really want one. But I don't need a tarpon. I, I don't even need an Aston Martin race car. I don't, I mean, okay. I would take it. It would be rude to turn down a gift. But if the Lord is my shepherd, I need nothing. I need nothing. Somebody right now, either in Florida or in Austin, is thinking, I thought this was Father's Day. Well, It is. And I really and truly believe with everything I have, as you read the pages of Scripture, as you see the primary spiritual role that dads are to play in the lives of their kids, in the life of the home, the greatest spiritual biblical parallel to fatherhood is a shepherd. Dads are called to be shepherds. You're called to be a shepherd. I'm a dad. I'm called to be a shepherd. You're called to be a shepherd. It's game on. Now, I've never even talked to a shepherd. How many of you know a shepherd? Anybody raise your hand. You know a shepherd? That is a small contingency. Well, I think it's important for us to understand what it is that we're called to be, what it is that we're called to do in order to get at this and in order to make it real. And to understand that, I think you've got to look at the primary role of the shepherd, which is the primary role of the dad. The shepherd is the provider for the flock. Dad's destination on this journey of fatherhood, dad's destination is provider. Provider. I'm just telling you, that's the fact. And, and, you know, we, we know this because, let's be honest, let me see a show of hands again. If you're a dad, raise your hand. Dads, how many of us, when we brought that little bundle of joy home from the hospital, there, there was, there was that, that deep kind of vein of love that you didn't even know you were capable of, but then there was also that just lightning bolt shot of fear. How many know what I'm talking about? You're like, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa. You look in that mirror and you're like, Bubba, you better man up. It is game on. This is on you. You're responsible for a human life. My son Joseph was home from his first semester of college for fall break, and we had a great time reuniting. It's always hard for Julie and me when our kids go off to school at the semester or when they were gone for the first time. 
And when he got home, we were so happy to have him home. And we were having dinner one night, just, just us around the home. His sister Emily wasn't off at the same time. So it was just Julie and me and Joseph. And we were sitting around talking. And Joseph had decided he wanted to pursue drama as a, as a major in college, theater. And I thought, man, that's great. I think he's got some gifts and some talents in that. And as long as he works at it, I'm all for it. I have no clue what that means or what that looks like. And I told him, I said, I said, Joe, I believe in you and I love you and I support you, but I, I can't, I can't help you, you know, mechanically. I, I don't know what, what to do with that. He was like, okay, dad, I got it. Don't worry about it. But I did want him to understand. And so we were talking when he was home at fall break. I said, Joe, just want you to understand that when you graduate, mom and I are not patrons of the arts. Some of you know where this is going. I said, I believe in you as an actor. I, I think you can absolutely do it. But when you walk across the stage, you've got to buy your own food, Hoss. I'm just keeping it real. And he knew that he kind of knew this intuitively because he grew up in our household. He's my son. And, and, and he said, oh, yes, sir. No problem. And I said, hey, I just want you to understand something, too. You know, you're in college and you're dating. You know, you get to college age. You're kind of starting, you know, you're dating for keeps. You know, you're not just playing around anymore. And so I said, you know, if you, if you were to meet someone and, and feel like you were to get married, all of a sudden her food is on you as well. So act well, my son. You know, you <laughs> dedicate yourself. He said, oh, yeah, yes, sir, I understand that. I, I, he said, grass, it's super. I said, you know, Joe, I just thought of something else. If, if you get married, you could have a baby at any minute. And, and so if you have a baby, then... There's another person that you're responsible for to feed them and clothe them and shelter them. It's a tremendous blessing, but buckle up. And he said, oh, yeah, yes, sir, I, I, I know, I, I get it. And I could tell he was, he was kind of getting irritated with the conversation at this point, you know, and I, and I understand that. So I, I backed off, but I could see it just in his face. All of a sudden, the reality of what I was describing was starting to sink in, and he sat there kind of looking at his plate for a second, and he goes... Wow. Welcome home. <laughs> but here's the deal. I want Joe at 19, I want him to own that responsibility. I want him to know that that's on him. That's not on him exclusively. But by virtue of the fact that God created him to be a dude, he's called to be provider. And if you think that I'm being kind of, you know, kind of archaic and old-fashioned in my thinking, check out 1 Timothy 5, chapter 8, just real quick. 1 Timothy 5, 8. Everybody likes to say, I like the New Testament. There's a lot of grace in the New Testament and forgiveness and love and peace. And, and there is. But check out 1 Timothy 5, 8 with me. Anyone, say anyone. Anyone. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Oh, snap! (laughs) 
So guys, welcome home. But I I think that we men, I I think there's something inside of us that we know this. I I think we, we, we get this intuitively, and I think it's something that God plants in the heart and the soul of a man. And I also know that it's not every man who responds to that which God plants in their hearts. And some of you are thinking, I wish somebody in my life would have gotten that message. And that's actually not that funny. And if you're here or maybe back in Austin and you're the father of your children is not providing what we know God calls him to provide. Or maybe your father didn't provide what God called him to provide. I got two words for you. Hold on. Now, listen, I don't mean hold on like just wait. It'll all work out. I mean, you hold on tooth and nail with everything that you've got to the only perfect father any of us will ever know. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not need. And if that's you, if that's you, I cannot say it strongly enough. Stay in the house. Stay in the church. I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm saying this because I'm a product of a single mother household. And my mom kept my brothers and me tethered to the house where we saw godly men step in and fill the gap that our dad created when he left. So I know it's possible and I know that's how God works. I know it. And I know that he's brought you too far to leave you hanging. I know that he will never leave you nor forsake you. I know that nothing can separate you from the love of God. And the love of God provides all your needs. Having said that, he really wants the men, the fathers amongst us, to actually father, to actually be a dad, to actually be everything he's wired us up, everything he's called us to be. And so I want to give you just four things to think about as you think about what to provide, because I could point you to a lot of dudes, a lot of guys who, who would say, well, I'm a great provider. They could point to a, to a nice house or to some cool toys and gadgets and trinkets that they've given, but they haven't really provided what God calls them to provide. You see, God calls us to provide so much more than the material needs for our kids and our families. The first thing I want to mention to you is he calls us to provide protection. A dad provides protection. It is a dad who creates a safe environment and a safe home. I've told our church back in Austin for, for years that for Julie, in our household, For me to go and turn on the alarm code in our home at night, she doesn't just hear, boop, boop. She hears, Mac loves me. She she hears, he really cares. Now, here's the deal. I care whether I remember the alarm or not. But she hears 
He cares about our safety. He cares about our protection. He cares about our household. And that is primary for a dad. Long before you get to devotionals and prayer times with your kids, which matter. But if they're not safe physically, if they're not safe emotionally, it doesn't matter how many devotionals you do with them. You've got to keep your family safe, not only physically, but they've got to know that they're safe emotionally. They've got to know that they're safe relationally. So many people go home more afraid of the household than they are of the world that they're in every day because they don't know how dad's going to respond. They don't know how his anger's going to erupt or what he's going to do next. Dads, be safe. Be a safe place for your kids. Be a safe place for your spouse, for your wife. We're called to provide that, that protective covering for our households. Man, you go out into the world, you fight hard, you, you go at it. But you come home, you're a shepherd. The shepherd doesn't abuse the sheep. The shepherd cares for the sheep. The shepherd loves the sheep. The shepherd guards the sheep. The shepherd feeds the sheep. Listen, Church by the Glades, Lake Hills Church, this is a great place to partner with, to feed your kids spiritually, but this is not the primary feeding they ought to be getting. You are. I am. My kids need to learn God's ways, love God's house, and follow Him from me primarily. That is so important. So, so we provide that that protection we provide number two priorities priorities dads our kids they need to see they need to smell they need to taste the priorities of our lives they they need to see that on a regular basis they need to know that our faith matters to us more than our job They, they need to know that our family matters more to us than our golf whoosh, handicap. Uh-oh, that hit a chord in South Florida. Sorry, I'm just, I'm saying. It, it could be back home in Austin. It could be whitetail deer hunting or, or fishing or whatever it is. Yeah, we hunt a lot in Texas. I know. It's, that's just what we do. But I'm saying our priorities are what we've got to teach and show our kids so that they learn how to live the life God's created them to live. Those priorities. Now, I don't think that you ought to be at every single practice. You may not be able to make every single game, but you ought to make more than you miss. They they need to know that as a family, your connection and roots in the local church are more important than their time in the 40-yard dash or, you know, how well they dance or, or cheer or whatever it is that they do. Those priorities radiate out of our lives as the dad, as the father. A third thing that we've got to provide, third thing, and this is huge. Dads have to provide a pedestal. A pedestal. Huh? Some of you are thinking, what in the world is this guy talking about from Texas? I'm talking about the pedestal upon which we dads place our wives. Oh, yeah. That's right. Our kids need to see the incredible 
value that we place on our wives so that when they see how we treat them, they know that they're in that safe place. Emily and Joseph, when they were growing up, they're, they're now in college and, like I said, almost 22 and almost 20 years old, but they knew growing up, you, you don't get ugly with mama. You, you don't talk ugly or, or have a tone or an attitude to my wife. And, and what I told them, I said all the time, I said, listen, you need to understand something. I chose her. You just showed up. So I'm just... I'm just saying. But here's what that does. You think, some of you wives are going, "Mm mm-hmm. That's actually a phenomenal gift to your children. The greatest gift you can give your kids after their own relationship with Jesus is a healthy marriage. Because when they see that, when they feel that, they won't be able to articulate it early on but they'll know that they're in a great place. When they see mom and dad enjoy each other, when they're, when they're 14 years old and they roll their eyes because you're kissing in the kitchen and hopefully stopping right there. That's a good thing. Don't stop kissing in front of your kids. Don't stop holding hands. Don't stop making those kind of little eyes at each other. Don't stop. Don't stop. Now, some of you are thinking, well, Mac, I'm, I'm divorced. I mean, you don't know my ex-wife, and I, and I don't. But I do know that your kids will benefit from your honoring their mother. My mom went out of her way to never trash talk my dad. Now, my grandmother, her mom did not feel the same conviction in her heart. But my mom... My mom never trash-talked my dad after he left, ever. She always, and and I would hear when my grandmother would say something a little bit offensive about my dad, my mom would go, Mother, please, he is still their father. To which my grandmother would say, well, that's not my fault. (laughs) But because I saw my mom honor the role of my dad in my life, I'm telling you, Men, if you're divorced, you honor the mother of your children. You help them out. You do them a favor. No matter what, you honor that role. And the last thing, the last thing that we've got to provide, and this is so important, you're going to, some of you are going to roll your eyes at this. So hold your eyes. We have to provide play. Play as dads. Well, that's not really my bag. See, here's what Julie told me on that first vacation we went on. Brilliant insight. Again, it's a little annoying to live with somebody that wise all the time. It's a great blessing, but from time to... So she said, she goes, here's the thing you've got to understand. Vacation time means dad. She goes, I'm here all the time. She goes, but when they get your undivided attention, when they get to enjoy time with you, when you play with them, You take them out in the waves and show them how to body surf and go beneath the water and act like a shark is attacking them. They eat that up with a spoon. Here's why. Don't miss this. Too many parents are worried about their kids liking them, which ain't the object of the game. 
But, everybody say but. Our kids have to know we like them. They've got to know that we're for them. They've got to know that we're on their side. Emily said to me about three weeks ago, it was a fascinating conversation. When, you're, when your kids get old enough to start processing their childhood, it's fascinating and terrifying all at the same time. And she said, as only Emily can, she said, listen, I'm not going to tell you I always liked what you and mom told me to do or not to do, but I always knew you were telling me for my own good. She trusts us. And as a parent, the most powerful tool in the toolbox is trust. Play builds trust. Play teaches kids how to follow rules, how to lose, how to win, and how to enjoy family. You can't play all the time, but play is a big deal. Play is a massive deal. So, As dads, on this Father's Day weekend, we provide. We provide for our families, but not just materially. Not just physically. We provide. Because our role in the home is the first taste of shepherding our children will ever have. And to give them the greatest opportunity that they could have to discover that the Lord is their shepherd. And they will need nothing as long as he is their shepherd. That's our job as dads. And here's where it comes full circle. I want you to go to the words of Jesus in the book of John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd feeds the sheep. The good shepherd guides the sheep. The good shepherd provides for the sheep. But the good shepherd, Jesus, died for the sheep. He laid down his life. So so dads, men, be careful before you take on fatherhood. You, know, you may never have had somebody have a cold, hard, slap-in-the-face-of-reality conversation like Joseph did. But be careful before you take on fatherhood. Because we're called, as dad, to lay down our lives. We're, we're called to do whatever it takes to put our kids in a position to win. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And in this moment... I want to invite you to consider where God falls on the fathering continuum in your life. Where is God as the good shepherd to you? Let's pray together to our good shepherd father. God, we love you with everything that we have. We thank you for this time, this opportunity to be reminded of your goodness, of the fact, God, that you provide everything we need. And so in this moment, Father, we pray over the dads in this room. We pray over dads in Austin and ask that you would give us the courage 
God, give us the heart to be who you called us to be, to fulfill the role that you've called us to fulfill. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.